Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here with the first WWE Tuesday edition of the Getting Over podcast. This is our fourth overall show, and I appreciate how many of you have already listened to our first three episodes. For those of you that haven't, already in the can, in the Getting Over library, we have an introduction between Dave and I getting to know both of us a little bit better. We have a state of wrestling uh, look at what's going on in the world of pro wrestling in 2020. And we have instant analysis from WWE Elimination Chamber that was taped just minutes after the end of that pay-per-view on Sunday. By the way, we are going to do that for every major pay-per-view. So always look for that. It is time, folks, for five-star reviews. We're officially on every major podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast. If you have it, we're on it. And if for some reason we're not, you just send uh, a tweet over to at gettingovercast and the Silver King will make sure we are on your podcast feed of choice. If for some reason you're using an app that we're not on, I've already tweeted our RSS feed. You can grab that, throw it on there as well. But the five-star reviews, the subscriptions, the downloads, all of this is very important. I'm going to break the fourth wall a little bit. What you want when you start a new podcast You want to get on Apple's new and noteworthy section. And the way you get that is from listens and reviews. So I have four episodes of this podcast that you can listen to. And all it takes is two to three minutes for you to hop on the store and drop that five-star review. It's all about the five. But with that, we are going to get into our first WWE Tuesday recap episode of Getting Over. And before I get to that, I got to introduce the main co-host here at Getting Over Dave Schilling. Dave, I think I ran out of nicknames for you after our first first nickname. Well, that's what I want to know is, did you have a nickname either on Masked Man Show or growing up previously? No, let's just let's just lie and say no. If you want. Hey, kids, if you want to go back and listen to the archive of the Masked Man Show, I'm sure there is 500 of them. But, uh, yeah, no, no nicknames. Just call me Dave. We're friends, right? You could just call me Dave. You don't have to call me, uh, Heavy D or something like that. That's, this is fine. I kind of like something like D Shill, though. You don't like that? No. Like R Truth esque? No, no, no. That's okay. my, pa- that's my, that's my, uh, that's my password for, uh, <laughs> all of my accounts. So okay. Well, use that. well, now that we can get into Dave's Twitter, uh, we can move into talking about WWE from the past couple of days and you folks you know how we start shows that the silver king hosts you've missed it it's time for the main event and we're going to kick off the main event of this week's show and in case you are missing the sound drop integration into uh the podcast that i host those will be coming soon i got to figure out everything on the technical end but it is coming but we're going to start this edition of the main event by talking about what i am considering not the road to wrestlemania 36 but the lazy river to WrestleMania 36 that WWE is putting on. We are 26 days out from the company's biggest show of the year. Just about, it's going to be five or six months removed from the start of those new television deals on Raw and SmackDown. And, you know, I think it's fair. You guys know I do praise WWE when it deserves it. Raw in particular, I've been very positive on recently. And I thought last night's show was fine. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like the build for at least half of the matches at WrestleMania this year, is as lazy as can be. Before we're going to get to the lazy part, though, I did get a DM slide from our old friend, at underscore Black Sabre Jr., one of the best Twitter handles in existence, Dave. And he wants to know 
which match for the WrestleMania 36 card that is official at this time. And we can throw Edge Norton in there as official because it's basically going to be already. Which is being built the best and why? Well, that's an interesting question because I think most of them haven't been built very well. Um, even even Drew and Brock, which I think is you know the right choice. He's the right guy. Uh, it's kind of lazy. It's sort of like every Lesnar Lesnar feud right now. So I'm gonna have to go Edge and Orton because it has you know some actual uh, emotion behind it. It has some some heat and some and some anger. These two people hate each other, which is what wrestling's supposed to be. So I'm gonna go with that one. Yeah, it definitely has to be that match. And it's a little disappointing, right? Because the expected double main event, most likely, of WrestleMania is going to be Lesnar and McIntyre for the WWE title and Goldberg Reigns for the Universal title. And then if you're going to throw a women's match in there as well, you're talking Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler. We're going to talk about the women a little bit later. I want to stick to the men's part of the card here for this subject. But Edge Orton, truthfully, as of today, it's March 10th, 2020, is the only match I truly care about at WrestleMania 36. They have me completely invested in the storyline. I thought the promo work from Orton has been fantastic this entire feud. The stuff they did with Matt Hardy was great. Beth Phoenix was great. Even last night with Edge was good. I didn't so much love that they were promoting him being on the show. It would have been pretty damn great if it was he just showed up and interrupted another Randy promo or attacked him backstage or something like that. But still, regardless of that, Edge looked good. They they utilized MVP well enough to make that happen. Yeah, no, I mean, I think um, it's been stellar. Um, everything about it has been has been great. I think the surprise element. I understand you know, wrestling fans wanting surprises on their on their TV and whatnot. But you know, at this point, we have to accept that they need ratings. They need something to pop a number. Um, and so they're going to advertise everything in advance. It's just in the age of social media, they want to get people talking. So the the, the days of uh, you know surprise returns and and all that stuff, it's just it's over. So we just have to accept that, and that's it's okay. It's it's still everything is still compelling. It's just not going to be half as surprising as it used to be. But here's my thing, though, right? If WWE's only way to truly pop a rating these days is these legends which it seems to be, right? They're going with Austin and Undertaker next week. They have Paige coming out on SmackDown, although you know I don't think she's necessarily the ratings draw that Edge or Austin or Taker are. Um, then they need to kind of go to the AEW model a little bit of AEW builds up their cards with scheduled matches multiple weeks in advance, and you tune in because you want to see Cody and Warlow in a steel cage. You want to see this blood and guts, you know, war game style match that's going to main event the show in New Jersey in a few weeks. So I get why WWE does it with the big stars and that's okay. You know, if you're AEW and they promoted a DDP appearance or some of the other guys, Jake, the snake, had they promoted that, that would have been great. But what AEW is doing is they're promoting it with the wrestling, with building storylines that you want to see on the TV shows in between the pay-per-views. We have a question later about that, which we'll get to, but I think that's what WWE needs to be doing for these weekly TV shows to get people to watch. Because if you build a Becky Lynch, Ruby Riot, bad example because Ruby's not a great name, but let's say you built that as a women's title match over three weeks and it main evented the show next week, three weeks out from Mania. I'm at least interested to see what happens in that match because you've actually given me a reason to care. Whereas if Ruby just challenges her 
next Monday and then you have a women's title match, it means far less. And there's much less of a chance that Becky would actually lose the title. Well, I think everyone would agree with you, Adam, that that's a great idea. Wouldn't that be nice if WWE <laughs> write a show weeks in advance and then all the writers could plan and be proud of what they've done and there was some semblance of order on the program. Wouldn't that be nice? Ah, uh, yeah, wouldn't it be nice if unicorns existed and I could just magically lose 30 pounds by thinking about it? None of that stuff is possible. So get over it. It's not going <laughs> to happen. They can only promote people showing up on the show because they can't guarantee that Vince McMahon is going to want to do Becky Lynch and Ruby Riot in three weeks. Right. He'll just uh, change his mind. We we promoted matches on social media two, three days before the show and then didn't deliver them. The, I mean, they've done that with matches they've promoted the day of on social media. We were supposed media. to do uh, a number one contenders match or something for WrestleMania for Asuka's Women's Championship. It was promoted on social media. Who's it going to be? Who's going to challenge Asuka at WrestleMania? Can't wait to find out. Tune in to USA SmackDown. Find out. Oh, guess what? We didn't do that match because we did Charlotte and Asuka for the title instead. Right, because they ultimately decided to do that winner's take all, right? Yeah, exactly. That day. They decided to do it that day. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. It's just always going to be like this, and that's a shame. It is. An absolute shame. And when you talk about even with Elimination Chamber, them having begun the very early promotion and early, it was still three weeks out, but I'm just saying they had one man, they had Sheamus, and they had one woman, Lacey Evans, announced for two Elimination Chamber matches on the SmackDown brand, and neither of them ultimately happened, right? So that is what we're dealing with. And it's because of that, that I do feel that WWE is taking this really lazy path into WrestleMania. Because if you look at Three of the five main men's matches that have been announced are blatantly obvious, right? Lesnar and McIntyre, there's build. McIntyre won the Royal Rumble. They're they're telling that story each week on Raw. Obviously, McIntyre really got over Lesnar a couple weeks ago with the three Claymore kicks. That's great. The other three matches to me have been built as lazily as possible. You can tell me, Dave, that Undertaker AJ Styles has been in the works for a couple weeks. It certainly has. AJ called him out three or four weeks ago. There was the interference at Blood Money in the Sand 5. Uh, there was the interference at Elimination Chamber from Taker. But literally, last night on Raw, you have AJ Styles out there, Dave. And I didn't mind the promo. Some people got up in, arm, up in arms that it broke kayfabe too much. He talked about his name. He talked about his real-life wife um, and Michelle McCool. Whatever. I liked the promo. That wasn't bad. What I hated, though, was AJ Styles challenged The Undertaker at WrestleMania. The crowd was kind of mild for it because they already knew it was coming. And Taker, who was just at Chamber one night earlier, was not there to show up and answer him, but rather mysteriously accepted backstage, told the producer or someone, because there's no authority figures anymore, they have a match graphic ready, and then there's a contract signing next week without a title on the line. What freaking sense does that make? You also forgot that AJ Styles said The Undertaker would die in the ring. Yeah, you know, I didn't totally hate that only because I've never heard that before. 
Yeah, but it's 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 truly something absurd to say. It 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 goes beyond the realistic into the cartoonish and 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 just it it feels like something that Dean Ambrose would have said <laughs> during that horrible heel run. Do you think Vince it's po- having him say horrible things? Do you think it's possible that that was not what was what he was supposed to say? That he was supposed to say something along the lines of. You call yourself the dead man. I'm going to make that a reality in the ring. And not, to, not that he forgot his line, because that didn't necessarily seem to be overly scripted, but he just delivered what he meant to say wrong. Maybe. I mean, that's certainly possible. People have to do that all the time, where they forget the exact verbiage, and what they have to do is kind of extemporaneously get to the meaning behind the, the script. Because it's hard to memorize all that dialogue, especially... You know, with a couple hours to go before you have to go out and and deliver the promo. So that's possible. I can also see a world where Vince was like, wouldn't it be great if you said he was going to die in the ring? (laughs) He's old. Did you know that? He's old and he might die. Um, It's just no one would say that in a boxing setting. No one would say that in an MMA setting. Oh, I am going to correct you right there. I'm going to correct you right there, my friend. Deontay Wilder, his last three fights has told his opponent... I am going to end your life. It is my goal to end your life. So not no one, but it takes a Deontay Wilder to say that. I'm with you. It's now. very rare. It's very <laughs> rare. It's not within AJ Styles' character to be like, you're going to die in the ring. Sure. Uh, sure. It's, <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't feel right for a wrestling show. It's a nitpick, um, but I agree, with all, I agree with all of your points that um, this is kind of a ridiculous build. Why does it need a contract signing? Well, because we need to burn a segment. If you're ever wondering why the segment happens, it's because it's they just need to fill time. Why are they doing a contract signing for a match with no title on the line? Because they need to fill time. Because the Undertaker can't work a match. That's why. It just it's seems like it just seems like you already have Austin on next week's show. It's promoted as 316 day. You really don't need The Undertaker there for that. And if you're going to do it, they could have literally just done The Undertaker, AJ, whatever they're going to do next week on this week's show, taken two weeks off, and then brought him back the week before Mania for the go-home. So that for me... do that. Yeah, that... McMahon doesn't want to. <laughs> I know, but that for me, just the, the concept of a contract signing in a non-title, non-stipulation match for me doesn't really work. Similarly, what doesn't work, and we've talked about it previously, is is the Goldberg-Roman Reigns, when we're talking about lazy booking, Roman Reigns literally just saying, I'm next and getting it. Now, I don't think there's any debate that Reigns should be, in kayfabe, the number one contender. He, you know, beat Corbin, who was the king of the ring, whatever credence you want to give that, three times. Uh, He really doesn't have any other challengers on that show, with the exception of maybe Braun, who's otherwise occupied. Um, and you know, he deserves that match against Goldberg after a year of not having a title match, but to just claim a WrestleMania main event match is weird. And then similarly, and I talked about this on my last fastest 15 minute audio that I did before this podcast officially started the Fiend and John Cena. I didn't mind Cena's promo and the, the idea that Cena's cutting a promo that he's basically saying, you know, I'm not going to hold down young talent, which is something he was criticized for doing. In the past, and then the fiend shows up to say, "Well, basically, without saying it, well, you did that to me, um, and you know, I'm going to challenge you." But the fiend pointing at a WrestleMania sign, 
I can get over it, maybe. John Cena tipping his freaking hat to a demonic, you know, fiend monster guy as his acceptance and then not getting attacked for it. I couldn't accept that. And then, Dave, this Friday, this is what I'm getting to on SmackDown. They have the fiend do a very good, in my opinion, Firefly Funhouse segment where he basically goes over that entire scene or storyline. Makes a lot of sense. I thought it was really, really good. But the guy is not affected at all from losing the title. Doesn't mention losing the title to Goldberg. It is just completely forgotten about. How frequently, and you're someone who's in the writer's room, obviously, previously. How frequently is it where a storyline needs to move on and they someone suggests, hey, well, let's at least connect the dots here and kind of let this move forward. And it's just completely axed. And they go, no, this is the new direction we need to go in. Let's forget that even happened. All the time. All the time. It's 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 the the basic idea is nobody's gonna care. No one will remember. Just if you move on, people will forget. That's really all that it is. With Kofi Kingston and in losing the title, it was I'm sure because I wasn't there when the right. decision. Well, I was there when the decision was already made, but I wasn't there when it was executed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure the decision making process behind the aftermath was. People will if we if we tell them to forget, they will forget. And we when we tell them to remember, they will remember. And it's 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 manipulation. It's emotional manipulation. That is what wrestling is to a T, is emotional manipulation. It is not pure art. It is not pure writing or acting. It is it is emotional manipulation above all else, because it is an art form where you are trying at at, at every turn to convince someone that something that is fake is real. Absolutely. And I think that. And I by no- fake, and just so people, if you're a, if you're a worker or something, I don't mean fake and that it is fake, fake. I mean that it's predetermined that it's not an actual, you know, you're not actually fighting each other. You're, I just don't want people to get upset at me. Oh, no, no, I don't think they would, but yeah, you never know. People are, uh, people get upset a lot of things these days. Very, yeah, exactly. I don't like, I don't like using the word triggered, but it's not unfair to say that people get triggered very easily. Sure. Um, so on that note, I have no doubt, no doubt that the writers said, let's turn this into something for Kofi where it's the start of a massive depression for him and he builds back up. But what they decided to do is, ah, we'll just save him, put the titles back on him, put the tag team titles back on him and Biggie and everything's going to be okay. Um, yeah, but okay. So that's kind of why I feel like this build has been lazy. When you look at those five matches, we as we just mentioned, Edge and Norton, very strong. Lesnar and McIntyre, certainly acceptable. But those other three men's matches to me are as lazy as booking has been. We're going to talk Rollins and Owens a little bit later in this show, part of the fastest 15 minutes in professional wrestling. Yes, that still exists. You guys are going to find out about that later. But there is one other men's match I wanted to talk about, which it does seem like we are full steam ahead to a Lucha Libre fatal four-way match for the U.S. Championship. Andrade, Rey Mysterio, Humberto Carrillo, and uh, Angel Garza. And it's a little strange to me almost because Andrade certainly has everything that WWE would want in a main eventer or a title holder. Mysterio is Mysterio. But Carrillo and Garza, it completely looks to me like these guys are going to be in a WrestleMania match just a couple months after debuting on the main roster. And where it comes to Carrillo, certainly he has all the talent in the world, doesn't necessarily have the charisma. Garza has both. This is a strange mix of four guys for me in that for WWE to put this on at WrestleMania, I think it's going to potentially tear the house down and maybe be one of the top three or four matches on the show. But this is not normal booking. Uh, This is not something that I feel like 
they would do in the past. Yes, they had Fandango against Chris Jericho for the Intercontinental title that one year, but they're really hot-tracking Carrillo and Garza, and Carrillo in particular, Dave, seems to be against everything that Vince McMahon is into. Well, for some reason, Humberto Carrillo is is um, looked at as a is a hot prospect. I don't know why. I'm sure it's it has to do with with getting a certain demographic uh, interested in the product, whatever. Um, but I I honestly think when they looked at, at what to do with the U.S. title, it's like we've got four Mexican people. Put them all in a match at WrestleMania. It'll be great. They these guys haven't wrestled anyone else. In no, not, not in months. Not in months. They're yeah. just wrestling each other over and over again. And I'm supposed to care when they wrestle for the 507th time at WrestleMania. I don't know. That's the <laughs> it's crazy. Only because they're Mexican. <laughs> That's the crazy part because, like, even the Seth Rollins storyline, which again we'll talk about later, you know, it at least this week was interrupted a little bit with an Aleister Black, right? Just randomly got in there and it gave a little bit of breath to this stale thing that we had seen over and over again. But these guys, they can't give Andrade anyone else a Zack Ryder. They can't, they can't throw a bone to any of these guys to just like clear it up a little bit, get them all easy wins, maybe over the course of four weeks and then have them reestablish against each other. It just seems a little weird, but we are going into mania. We're 26 days out. As I said, no clear direction for what they're going to do with the intercontinental title, the raw tag team titles or the SmackDown tag team titles. Uh, there's three Raws left and four SmackDowns left. I was also, Dave, looking at WrestleMania cards historically. Uh, WrestleMania 30 and WrestleMania 31 had single-digit matches. And historically, they did. Nine matches or fewer. They went to 12 matches at 32, 13 at 33, 14 at 34, 16 last year. And right now, as we are talking right now, there are projected to be 13 matches, including the Battle Royals, but not including intercontinental title or the men's tag team titles. What is your take on length of WrestleManias? Is it time that if they want to go to 16, 17 matches, they split it between two days? Should they really just try to whittle it down to 10 to 12 matches for a single show? Because last year, man, I was at WrestleMania 35. I've been to the last four in a row, I think. And I got there, you know, I, I sat in the press box at 5 p.m. for the start of the pre-show. And the thing ended at 1230 Eastern time. That's seven to seven and a half hours. I know it ran longer than they expected. That is far too long for a wrestling event. Buddy, I was there at eight in the morning. How about that? How about that? That's crazy. Enjoy that. Eight in the morning. I was there at MetLife Stadium. Anyway, um, I mean, besides the fact that maybe they shouldn't have WrestleMania at all for public health reasons, I would say that it should be fewer matches. It should not be two days. I don't like the. I used to like the idea of a two day WrestleMania because it was sort of like, oh, you know, uh, it'll be like Coachella. You know, it's great. Right. But right. then uh, inevitably, one of the other days is going to become more important, right? It's it, every time WWE splits up a thing. If it's Raw and SmackDown are two separate ba- brands. If it's uh, you know, we've got uh, separate tag team championships or you know whatever like anytime this happens mm-hmm. one becomes more important than the other it's just, it's it's inevitable the the world heavyweight championship and the wwe championship when the brand sp- split was already kind of dead right the, the world heavyweight championship became slightly more important than the intercontinental title it's just there's a, always a hierarchy so 
WrestleMania day one or day two is going to end up being more important than the other day. I don't like that because then it's going to cause even more problems for people. And they're going to try to fit more matches on the card. It's sort of like when you add lanes to a freeway, it's supposedly going to ease congestion. And inevitably, it just means more people feel like they should be driving. So I would say one show, fewer nine matches, 10 at the most. 10 if you include a a pre-show match. That's it. I think that's a fair point. But what if you took TakeOver, which I know everyone loves. Look, I love NXT TakeOver. You're not a huge, not as big of an NXT fan as I am. But what if you took TakeOver the night before? And merge that into day one of WrestleMania. So you had an NXT card and a couple WWE main events or or you just mixed it up. You had, let's say you had two NXT matches on the Sunday show, but you had four on the Saturday show. And you had five match, WWE matches on the Saturday show. And you had, let's say, seven. So you have two basically nine match cards, something like that. NXT is mixed in. You have every major title on the line. It's almost like a night of champions over a two-day span. And your main event for Saturday is either your SmackDown or your Raw Women's Championship. And your main event for Sunday is one of the men's championships or vice versa, obviously. But that way you get one world title for e- on each show, meaning a women's and men's on each show. You have the NXT stuff split up. You have a mix of, of actual work rate wrestling and sports entertainment. And you give people a reason, because that NXT show so- sells out anyway. You give people a reason to want to be there two days in a row. So what you're saying... Correct me if I'm wrong. Go for it. What you're saying is you want two days in the same stadium, right? So let's let's Correct. let's let's go back to last year. Instead of doing takeover at Barclays Center, you want to do or or because it was a different schedule, so it wasn't right. on Saturday; it was on Friday. But right, right, let's right. say you flip the Hall of Fame and takeover, you know, back to I, I assume that's what it is this year because I'm not going. Yeah, this so, year, so what, yeah, what's going on so this Saturday? What's going on this year for those that don't know is WWE is actually running wrestling every day. Uh, they have they have Raw Monday, backstage Tuesday, NXT Wednesday, Hall of Fame Thursday, SmackDown Friday, NXT Saturday, WrestleMania Sunday. Awful. Uh, <laughs> so Saturday, you want to do it at the, the football stadium and then Sunday at the football stadium again. Yeah, because you can't if you are going to split it over two days. I don't think to your point, you don't want one to be less important. I don't think you can run one at an arena and one at a stadium. No, you definitely can't because then you it has to be equal. Yeah. I just wonder if you're going to be able to sell, you know, both days. I guess the appetite for wrestling fans who are going to WrestleMania is pretty high. They're the most engaged of the of the most passionate. And so money is no object. If if I have to pay for a second day, I will. I I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not 100% against it. I can just see the the ways that it will be messed up by WWE. No, and th- and that's totally fair. I, I'm with you on that. My I guess my point is that I'm just looking at how many matches are climbing on this card and you know, I not every match at, at a WrestleMania has to be long. But you want a you want a couple 20 minute, you know, matches. You want some depth to some of these stories. You don't necessarily want it to be Triple H and Batista going on for 25 minutes, but you want some of those types of matches. And when you have 16 matches on a card, even if it's seven hours, some things are going to get cut really short. And that is not Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio last year. They didn't even need to wrestle. 
Exactly. It was it was just so they could get a payday and an entrance. I do believe, though, that Ray was hurt or one of them was hurt in that match. He 100 percent was hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at least there was a reason in that regard. But yes, that's exactly right, though. Um, and, and but even forget even that, though, the five minute matches, like unless it's Goldberg Reigns, which I don't think will go longer than 10 minutes. Don't get me wrong. But some of these other matches are going to wind up being five, six, seven minutes where if it's at, it, this is how I look at WrestleMania. WrestleMania to me was always the show. I think for most people, it's always the show. If a match is going to be on WrestleMania, there should be two things. One, it is built up to be important, which a lot of these aren't. And two, it should last a decent amount of time because it should theoretically be the blow off to a feud. But if you give me a five, seven minute Riot Squad triple threat match, you're just wasting my time. Yeah, I. <laughs> this is a tangent. I'll keep it quick. It's fine. There were people who were upset that we didn't get the riot squad triple threat at the elimination chamber. i know i'm I know. like oh you're so bummed that they didn't get three heatless professional wrestlers to have a heatless match in the middle of a pay-per-view the month before wrestlemania i'm so sorry you didn't yeah. get the riot squad triple threat why why, why don't we have hawkins and Ryder versus gallows and anderson while we're at it shall we I mean, I come on. I, there were plenty of reasons to criticize. Elim- I did think the pay-per-view overall was pretty decent, but there were plenty of reasons to criticize it. There were plenty of reasons to criticize the main event. And this is what I broke down on the instant analysis. Uh, you can say that the time between entrance was stupid for her to wait that long. You can say she was a little too dominant, whatever. Legit criticisms. But to tell me that, oh, the Riot Squad didn't get a moment in the chamber when it's a TV feud. Let them feud on TV. It can go th- <laughs> through Mania if they want. You need some of these that are TV only that don't really happen on pay-per-views. They at least t- – look, look. I don't give WWE a ton of credit for like the little nuances sometimes. But on that contract signing a couple weeks ago, they had Liv Morgan run across the table and attack Ruby Riot. They had a triple threat the week prior with Sarah Logan as the guest referee. I What they're doing with the Riot Squad, if you like the Riot Squad – you should be happy. You don't need to be complaining that they didn't get their moment at Elimination Chamber, just like Dave said. But that is the second part of the main event I wanted to talk about, which is the women's evolution one year later. So last year, we had the main event, the winner-take-all match, as you referenced earlier, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, and Ronda Rousey uh, for both women's championships. And we go into this year's show in a similar but different fashion. You do have Becky Lynch going up against an MMA four horsewoman again, except this time, and Becky said it herself, it's someone with a black hole of charisma uh, in Shayna Baszler, who, by the way, I happen to like, and I like her gimmick too. Uh, but you have that match, which has been built legitimately, um, and it is something they've told over multiple weeks. Certainly, it started with the vampire bite at the back of Lynch's neck. You do have the Rhea Ripley-Charlotte Flair match, which again, Flair did win the Women's Royal Rumble, and this match has been built over multiple weeks. But you have no clear direction whatsoever for the SmackDown Women's title. And the women's tag team titles haven't been defended in months because Kyrie Sane was injured and they've been using Asuka as a singles wrestler. To me, Dave, when you look at all the attention that was given to the women's evolution last year and the build for that major match, and then you look at it this year to me, it just seems like a lot of the momentum has been lost. I'm really wondering, in their eyes, was it all Rousey? Certainly Lynch is still getting her time, but was it all Rousey to them because these matches just don't feel anywhere near as important to WWE as that one did last year. Well, it, it's, it's, it's gotta be partially the company and, and, and the attention being placed elsewhere because the star power isn't as extensive. Obviously, you know, you, there's only one Ronda Rousey 
in women's combat sports, uh, and you can't replace her easily. But also, um, there's just not a lot of star power on the women's side in WWE. I mean, it's WWE has arguably the best roster of women's wrestlers in the world right in, now. I, I would say inarguably. You can see yeah. like, people love stardom in Japan, but whatever. WWE is the best roster. Yeah, in terms of ability to connect with an audience, in terms of work rate, in terms of charisma, all the thing, all the intangibles and tangibles that you use to measure a professional wrestler, that is the best roster. But when you're trying to move that roster up the card and make those characters more important, especially with Becky Lynch, who is at a very important stage in her career, you need someone on her level that she can work an epic match with. Ronda Rousey comes along and elevates everyone. You can complain as much as you want, and rightfully so, that she couldn't cut a promo, that it was uh, a labored build once they got past the rumble, mm-hmm. that there was too much uh, gaga and nonsense. Charlotte didn't need to be in the match. All those things are perfectly fine to say, and, and some of them I agree with. Yep. But Ronda was a huge star. Seeing Ronda and Becky lock up was a big deal. Having Becky beat Ronda for the first time was a big deal. Doing that with Shayna Baszler is not the same. There just isn't that heat. There isn't that mainstream credibility. There isn't any of that stuff. Shayna's great. I think the black hole of charisma thing, that line is unnecessary. It varies. Shayna completely. I think Becky likes to to do these sort of meta jokes in her promos or or Heyman's giving her these lines to say, but it does no one any favors. It doesn't help Shayna Baszler. That stuff is great with Ronda, where Ronda is mega over already, established as one of the most dominant fighters of all time. Uh, gender, be, gender be damned. Yeah. That's fine, okay? That makes you look cool because you're cutting down someone who's obviously a monster. Shayna Baszler doesn't have that same level of gravitas that, that Ronda does. So you're you're burying someone you're trying to build up. They should have brought Shayna up months ago instead of having her putter around in XT aimlessly. Mm-hmm. Bring her to Raw. Let her beat some people in some squash matches. Give her some momentum. It's so obvious. How to do this. Look at what they did with Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre was going nowhere as a heel. Nothing going on. They just decided one day, all right, he's going to subtly turn babyface by being a little more charming. And he's going to squash a bunch of people in an entertaining fashion every week. And that's all it took to get him over enough to challenge Brock Lesnar. Do that with everyone and you'll have a rock roster of superstars but they can't do that because someone in that company doesn't want people getting over that's it but that's even the issue with vince and the entire quote-unquote plans change scenario right because according to reports and i fully believe this the initial plan was for Shayna baszler to win the royal rumble right and challenge yeah, Becky Lynch. We all knew it was going to happen. We right. all predicted she's going to win the Rumbles. And, and they wanted to go a different direction, which was fine. But the direction they went was, oh, well, we don't necessarily have a massive match for Charlotte this year. 
So rather than book a really good storyline for her to go back to NXT and challenge Rhea or or figure out something else for her to do, we're just going to have her win the Rumble. We're going to add the NXT Women's Championship to the show seemingly for no reason. Um, and we're going to have uh, and we're going to have Baszler get her win in the Elimination Chamber, which couldn't have been any more obvious based on the way she attacked Lynch three weeks earlier. What she probably should have done is had her win the Chamber first then attacked Lynch like that this past Monday night to say, whoa, not only did she dominate these women in the chamber, she just nodded a chunk at a Becky Lynch's neck. It was all backwards to me. The truth is, Dave, I think what fans really wanted to see was Becky Lynch and Oscar. Not that they expected to see it, but you saw that the reaction that match got at the Royal Rumble and again a couple weeks afterward on Raw, maybe even the following week, I don't remember. Um, but... Had they allowed Asuka to either win the Rumble again or let Flair win the Rumble or, you know, do whatever they did already and let Asuka kind of cut the promos and be the character she is and Becky tell the story that this is the one woman I have not been able to beat in this entire year. I lost her at the, at the Rumble last year. I haven't beat her in over a year. This is the match I want for Mania. They challenge each other. That is a perfectly told match. It's a legitimate opponent for Lynch to face. And honestly, I think at that point, you can even put Asuka over Lynch at WrestleMania and people would pop. But now you go into Mania and, you know, it seems like they're going to put the title on Baszler. But I honestly think by the time Mania rolls around, they're going to keep the championship on Lynch. I don't think that Vince, due to the reaction that they garnered due to their booking at Elimination Chamber, I don't think he likes the reaction uh, Lynch is getting. I mean, um, Baszler is getting. I think we're going to have Lynch basically retain the title in a couple in a, a couple of weeks. Oh, yes. There's no way Shayna Baszler is winning that match. And not at all. It's not oh, happening. Okay. I thought you were going to totally disagree with me on that, but all right. No, no, no. <laughs> Shayna Baszler is not winning. No, 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 and, no. Not, and then, maybe not. Maybe she'll win eventually, but she's not winning at WrestleMania. And if I, that... I, I truly don't believe that Vince, Vince believes in her. Uh, the way that, that Becky's kind of tearing her down, I, I, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. If that's what happens, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Becky long term. If she does retain the title, uh, certainly Money in the Bank is only a month later, which is terrible, by the way. The fact that they go Mania and Money in the Bank back to back now, it's terrible. Um, but but maybe they do a superstar shakeup or some type of draft or whatever and switch the brands around. But but you have there's nobody. There is nobody left for her. Even if you switch the brands, there's nobody left. Um, You've beaten everybody. So she has, but I think you can do work again with Sasha. You can do it with Bailey also. I think you there's Ooh. enough women on SmackDown. I think where you could build someone up. Yeah, Carmella. Even. There we go. Uh, but <laughs> but that's what Money in the Bank does, though. It allows a cha- a strong champion to lose the title without really losing. Oh, I know, I know, you know I know. So that that is that that is the potential for it. But uh, enough about the women. That is our main event. We're going to roll into the fastest 15 minutes. In professional wrestling, those of you that listen to my SoundCloud audio in my short time between my prior podcast and getting over know what this is about. We're going to do five topics, maximum of three minutes each. At least we're going to try. And Dave, we're going to start with WWE's long-term storytelling. I think we've uh, talked a lot about how they don't necessarily do that very well, but I think credit is deserved where, where it's due with Rollins and Owens. It is a scenario for me where it got really clunky. It has gotten really clunky because of the extended time period. It feels like it's been rolling for the better part of three or four months right now. I like that the, they have a goal in mind, 
Rollins Owens at WrestleMania. But what is the process like? And maybe the Lynch storyline with Ronda, as you mentioned earlier, is a good example. What is the process like where they say, hey, this is our goal for WrestleMania and we got three months? Do they book it out multiple weeks in advance? I know Vince does change things, but do you guys try to do that as writers or is it a scenario where it truly is week to week and what the hell are we going to do with these guys? We got six more weeks left. No, there there is an attempt to try to have a, a plan month by month. There certainly is of like, okay, week one we're going to do this, week two we're going to do that, week three we're going to do that, week four we'll do that. I mean, you can you can point to any number of the marquee singles matches on WrestleMania last year, and you can say this: there was a plan, there was some, there was a thought behind what we're going to do each week. With the Kofi thing, that was like, okay, we're going to do this gauntlet match this week, then he's going to lose. Then we're going to do this gauntlet match, and then it's tag team gauntlet match, and he's going to win. And then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do that. We're going to do a contract signing, blah, blah, blah. There is a plan. Whether or not that plan is executed is not up to the writer. So with Seth and, and Kevin Owens, maybe there was a plan. Maybe there was a plan that involved Samoa Joe and the tag team championship. That unfortunately did not get executed because Samoa Joe gets suspended and will not be working at WrestleMania, presumably. It's just you never know what's going to happen with injuries, with Vince, with suspensions, with any number of things. Um, You know, Daniel Bryan getting hurt after WrestleMania changed a lot of the long term planning behind the wwe championship on smackdown so it's really hard to you know figure out what you're going to be able to execute versus what your plan is but i 100 percent agree with you seth rollins and kevin owens is 100 percent dead no one cares kevin owens is as cold as any baby face has ever been <laughs> in that company i it's it, it was a great idea to turn him babyface, but they have wrecked him through uh, tedious booking. Yeah, it is tough to argue with that. I do think Rollins is rolling pretty hot as a heel. I do think that is working, but the Kevin Owens part has been so repetitive, um, and the Viking Raiders are still involved somehow, and now you have another tag team in the Street Profits involved. Some weeks, Aleister Black has stuff to do. Some weeks, he doesn't. Obviously, Joe was involved and then got suspended for wellness policy stuff. It just really doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, Dave, we have at heel underscore maker 21 who asks us, uh, WWE has these monthly pay-per-views like Elimination Chamber, Payback, Lash, TLC. Imagine if they only did four or five big shows and took the others and put them on Raw and SmackDown as super shows. A TLC super show Friday night on Fox would potentially bring in new fans, keep the networks happy, and make pay-per-views feel really important. This is obviously what AEW is doing with Bash of the Beach, Blood and Guts, etc. So yeah, at heel maker or heel underscore maker 21. It's a great idea. I think in, in a perfect world, we would maybe see something like six WWE pay-per-views a year and the other six months, they would do something like this. But WWE over an extended period of time has conditioned its fans to want a pay-per-view every month. It even got to the point where during the brand split, I think they were doing two pay-per-views a month or at least one per brand every six weeks. It got to the point where it was oversaturated. They felt that they needed to do that for the WWE Network to build subscriptions. But if they don't do 12 pay-per-views a year at a minimum, and they do, of course, do a couple more due to these Blood Money and the Sand shows, but if they don't do that, 
then your $9.99 a month network subscribers, I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to drop off, but you already took NXT, which was one of the main selling points of the network, took it off and put it on USA. Sure, it's still on the network a day later, but most people have a DVR or a cloud DVR and some type of streaming provider. If you then take away six or seven pay-per-views from the network, then you are hoping that people are going to pay $9.99 a month for six pay-per-views a year and Ruthless Aggression docs. And I'm, I'm not saying that some of the original programming on the network isn't good. I actually enjoy a lot of it. The R-Truth 24 was awesome. I'm excited to see the newest uh, episode of this Ruthless Aggression era show. That's an area of WWE that I missed. Um, but I just don't think you can substantially cut down WWE pay-per-views, Dave, and and expect fans to kind of be okay with paying that much per month due to the conditioning. Oh, no one will care. I'm telling you. No one will care. It's sort of like when people were, were thinking, oh, WWE is, is making a horrible decision by not doing pay-per-views anymore and going to a network model. This is going to you know, wreck their bottom line. It ended up helping their bottom line significantly because down the line, they were able to sell their TV rights for so much the pay-per-view didn't matter. Uh, and pay-per-view isn't going to, to matter in the long term. What will matter is if WWE decides to say, we're going to take X number of our big shows and we're going to move them to ESPN Plus or we're going to move them to you know, some other streaming service, Amazon. And then right. we're going to sell, we're going to help Amazon or ESPN Plus sell subscriptions and then we're going to sell the show itself and we're going to split the cost or the, split the profit with the provider. That is more likely than not going to happen because they need to find some way to juice their revenue because they're not going to make as much money from live events. They're just not until they get rid of house shows. Their average attendance is going to be in the toilet, right? Uh, they're not going to make as much in, mar- in merchandise because nobody is over enough to sell merchandise. Uh, these are just unfortunately hard facts when you look at, at the numbers for WWE. So they're going to sell the rights to their big shows. How many of them? I don't know. Do they sell all 12, 14, 16, whatever? Do they sell half of them? Do they just sell WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Money in the Bank, Elimination Chamber, whatever, you know, uh, Royal Rumble, right. Survivor Series? I don't know. They're gonna sell. They're gonna do it because at the end of the day, all that, 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 that this company is built on is carving out the rights. They're not going to improve the product. They're not going to try to get people over. They're not going to to grow the creative or make the creative better. They're not going to look at any of those metrics. They're just going to say we're making less money here, so we need to make more money here. So that's gonna happen. People will continue to subscribe to the network because the there's not that many people subscribe to the network. Half of the number of people, or a third of the number of people who watch Raw and SmackDown every week, subscribe to the WWE network. And that's you know, one and a half million people. Right. It's not that a lot, that yeah. is your that is your core audience that will subscribe because they want to watch old episodes of Nitro. They want to see documentaries about the Ruthless Aggression era or Attitude or whatever. They want to see WWE 24. They're going to watch whatever wrestling, NXT UK. That is your hardest hardcore fan. They're never going to get rid of the network. So it's just gravy money if they sell off the pay-per-views. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on here. Uh, fastest 15 minutes in pro wrestling. The Fiend. Uh, oh, we actually spoke about The Fiend earlier, so I'm going to switch up this subject. Let's talk Braun Strowman here. Um, I know that WWE has like a, a book or a line about each guy, what they can, what they can't do. For Braun Strowman, so long it was about Braun is not a title winner. He had opportunities against Brock. He lost one match with a single F5. He, in Blood Money in the Sand, at one of the Saudi Arabia shows, he took a briefcase to the head uh, or something to the head. I don't even remember what it was um, and lost the title match opportunity there. Basically, all he has now is the IC title for about a month, and then he drops it to Sami Zayn. Is there any saving Braun Strowman, and how does this company see Strowman? Oh, absolutely not. And I think, you know, the the, the depth now for Braun Strowman was that promo he cut with Paul Heyman where he just completely tanked. That yeah. was the end. I don't think he's, he's – he suffers from monster's disease – He's he's great. He gets over because he's big and he can do crazy stuff. But his character is dead once he starts losing matches. This is it's the same thing with Big Show. Big yeah. Show was yeah. I mean, people said Big Show was lazy and whatnot. But also, you know, once he loses, he's not the monster anymore. It's why you can't have Jake Hager lose. You can't have Wardlow lose in AEW. But have to continue winning matches to stay over. Yeah, the, uh, smaller wrestlers, more charismatic wrestlers, they can lose as much as they want, and they can get over again. Kevin Owens can constantly lose, and he'll still be sort of over. Not yeah. with Braun Strowman. I think he's he's going to continue to hover around the upper mid card, and and you know be used when he needs to be used on stuff. But yeah, he's never going to be a world champ. I think he'll win a, the world title, but he will never be a top top guy. Yeah, and I think even when he does eventually win the world title, it's it's a temporary title win. It's it's someone who is a transitional champion, which you wouldn't think a big guy would be a transitional champion, but he really strikes the chord of someone who would be like that. Moving on here, uh, another WrestleMania season, no Sasha Banks match set. She has never won a singles match at WrestleMania. I honestly can't even recall if she's won a match, period, at WrestleMania. I, I don't necessarily think she has. Um, but I think WWE... More than anyone else on the roster, male or female, this calendar year made their biggest mistake when they had Banks come back. She was over as all hell. She was doing great heel work, and they just had Becky beat her twice, and then they moved her over to SmackDown. Banks probably should have beat Becky, taking the title, and maybe taken it into Mania, despite concerns about her injury history. Um, I don't get what it is about Sasha Banks, but for me, it is at the point where they need to do something with her because they're running out of women who can capably carry a title. Well, the thing about her is that I think she's just not particularly well-liked. I think she has a reputation for having an attitude. She has a reputation for causing problems. She has a reputation for petulance. And that is just not going to lead the right people to trust her. I'm sure she's been promised a lot, but I don't think she's going to get a lot because they don't believe that she has the mental capability to be a long-term world champion. I hate to be that guy, but it just I don't think it's, it's ever going to happen for her. And, and that's the difficulty because even when she has gotten the opportunity, no joke, I looked at her title reigns. It's like six days, nine days. I think her longest was like 12. She has never had a substantial title reign of any length when anytime they give her a little bit of a push, she is as over as Becky and more over 
than either Charlotte or Bailey. So that just remains exceedingly interesting to me about Sasha. Uh, well, closing, she's she's going to have to humble herself a little bit. Yeah, it does seem like that might be the case. Uh, finishing up here, the fastest 15 minutes in pro wrestling. Uh, this Daniel Bryan, Drew Gulak story. It, talk about an opposite of all those adjectives you just used. Um, Daniel Bryan has a lot of creative freedom in WWE. It's clear. Vince went from someone who maybe didn't necessarily believe in this guy as a worker to someone he trusts not only you know in the ring and with big storylines, but certainly to uh, move business forward in a major way. Uh, this storyline with Drew Gulak, it went from something that looked like it was filling time on SmackDown. So now I'm actually believing after the promo that Brian cut after Chamber that this they may be part of a SmackDown tag team title match, these two together at WrestleMania. Uh, I just am continuously floored with the job that Daniel Bryan does in the ring, on the mic, and behind the scenes. And the fact that he's taken someone in Drew Gulak, who was brought up to the main roster, and then reverted to his old PowerPoint gimmick that stopped working a year and a half ago. He had found a better gimmick, but reverted back to it on the main roster. Um, and he's taken this guy and may bring him to a WrestleMania tag team match or something else where he's involved. To me, it's not a stunner because I know how good Brian is. It just speaks to how much of a genius that this guy is um, on a day-to-day, year-to-year basis. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great that he has a passion for wrestling still and that he's using his position in the company to get people over, which is not a thing most wrestlers would do. So right. good for him, and I'm glad he's doing it. And, you know, Kofi Mania, I think a lot of the credit for that goes to Daniel Bryan as much Absolutely. as it goes to anybody else. Oh, no question. Bryan was as instrumental in Kofi Mania as anyone, more so even than Vince. And I know Vince inserted himself into that last year and played the role of the guy that was primarily holding Kofi down. But if you didn't have someone like Daniel Bryan to really in many ways be the A side of that match, you know, certainly Kofi historically is not an A side. He's, he's always been a B side. Uh, if you don't have Bryan in that alternate role in that oppositional role, that storyline does not work nearly as well and does not draw the reaction that it ultimately did at WrestleMania 35. So those are the fastest 15 minutes in pro wrestling. This is our first WWE centric show. You're going to get WWE analysis every single Tuesday of raw and SmackDown. Do not forget to subscribe to getting over on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, overcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. And don't worry, I'm not going to list every single one every single time just for this week. So you guys know where to get the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at getting overcast. You can follow me at Silverstein Adam. You can follow Dave at Dave underscore Schilling. And Dave also has a pro wrestling newsletter. Dave, why don't you tell people how they can subscribe to that? Uh, go to DaveShilling.Substack.com. Uh, you can subscribe for free or you can uh, throw me a couple bucks and be a good friend. We have some big interviews coming up on the road to WrestleMania 36 here on the Getting Over podcast. Not going to drop any names yet, but they are definitely interviews you're going to want to hear over the next few weeks. Tune in on Thursday for our analysis of AEW Dynamite and NXT less than 24 hours after those shows get off the air. So for Dave Schilling, this is the Silver King Adam Silverstein. Bye for now.